Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Hello. Recorded live. Hello. Yeah, I've seen many of you on here. Again, Alabama, Maryland, Georgia, Nevada, Mississippi in the building. And for those of you on Periscope right now, we're waiting for you to join the call. I have provided the information for you to log on to the call. Okay, so we're waiting for you to join the call. We'll give them a few more minutes. I had to review them on that Periscope. I posted, I posted the um, the uh, information on Periscope, and no one came in the room for Bible study. And then I posted Bessie Saint, and everybody ran over there to see what that was about. But nobody <laughs> ran over here to learn the Bible, and I'm, I'm saddened by that, you guys. <laughs> California, Indiana, okay, interesting, Indiana. Is Brianna on the line already? I'm on here. I don't know if you can hear me. I see a few. I can hear you. I didn't mute anybody yet. Is Bri on here? I don't know. Hi, South Carolina. Everyone is unmuted right now. We'll mute you when we get started. But hello, I see you in South Carolina, Indiana, California, Mississippi, Nevada, a few people in Georgia, Maryland, um, more Alabama, and Texas. And where are you guys from on Periscope? Pipewood City, State, New York. We've got a few people from New York that just joined the call. Welcome. Welcome in New York. Okay, Michigan is on the call. Okay, you guys. I'm going to mute everyone because somebody got a little chilly background. Okay, down cold over there. Misha. Yeah. Okay. I just had to make sure that was you. Okay, so we'll get started, I guess. Um, should I open up in prayer or do you want to open up? What do you want to do? You can open up in prayer. You want me to open up and I'm going to talk after that? I got it. I got it. Okay. We'll make it like fluffy, man. I ain't even going to worry about it. They're still coming in the room. Let me give them 60 seconds because I see a lot of people coming in the room. Okay. And Periscope, if you're going to listen on the call, because I'm going to keep it up for you with this Bible study, okay? Today's topic is going to be grace versus mercy. Okay. So we're going to be talking about grace versus mercy. Everybody on the line, and we got a lot of people that have called in. Periscope, I see you on the line. You, yes, it's dark because I'm in front of a computer. I'm on the phone, and I'm doing Bible study. I'm so sorry that I can't have you staring at me when you need to be in your Bible focusing on what the Father is saying anyway. So this is not the time to look at me. It's the time to grab your Bible and make sure, verify, test the Spirit, and make sure what I'm saying to you is true. 
Okay, on Periscope, you got one job to do. Your job is to sow some hearts and grab your Bible and read along. You got one job to do on Periscope. Okay? Sow some hearts. Okay, so we got a lot of people on here. I'm going to open up in prayer really quickly. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We humble ourselves and we approach you with grace right now, Father. We humble ourselves and we repent of our sins. We ask you for forgiveness for the many things that we know in our hearts that we've done wrong and also for the things that we've done wrong that we didn't know we did wrong, Father. If we've sinned against you, if we've spoken against your anointed ones, if we've spoken against your prophets, if we've offered you any type of strange fire, we humble ourselves and apologize to you right now, Father. Right now, I just cover each and every person and each and every city on the line right now by the blood of Christ, from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet right now, Father. And I come against any opposing spirit in the atmosphere right now, any spirit that is not of you, I cast it down right now to the pits of hell. I come against the spirit of offense right now. I come against the religious spirit right now. I come against any opposing spirit that is not of you that comes to distract and attack the people on this line today right now, Father. I ask that you open their hearts right now and minister to them so that they can get the full understanding of what the word is saying so that they can apply it to their lives and become more Christ-like and more like you, Father. I ask that the move of the Holy Spirit take over the line right now and take over me right now. I am going to decrease in my flesh so that you can increase in me in the spirit, Father. And I'm asking that you show up. If it's in your will to show up this evening, to take over this evening, I ask that you take over this line right now and line this entire atmosphere up with things of you, Father. I just ask that you just have a mighty move and just have your way on this line this evening, Father, as we preach this, Father, because I already feel the attack of the enemy in advance. So I counsel your attack. I cut your silver cords and your lines. I cancel that old nasty religious spirit that has people fighting amongst themselves. I cancel the spirit of offense for every wicked opposing spirit on this phone right now who know they don't want to do right, who know they don't want to live right, but think that you want to attack the prophet for coming and telling you that you're wrong. Well, guess what? Start opposing right now because you're going to be told you're wrong on this line today and we're going to judge the difference between mercy and grace. Hallelujah, Father. So we ask that your sheep today abide in your spirit, and I kick every gun on this phone right now. In the name of Yeshua, Hallelujah, the Messiah, the Christ. Amen. All right. I had to go there because we're going to go there, y'all. All right? So today is going to be grace versus mercy. Now, this is very important because I see y'all talking. Right, we got the grace. We got the grace. We got the grace, girl. Oh, we got the grace. We got the grace. We got the grace. We got the grace. I hear you preaching about this grace all the time. And it's true. Grace is absolutely unequivocally offered to every man. Man, But just because grace is offered to you doesn't mean that you have it. Come on. I can offer you a, a plate of free food right now. But if you don't show up to my door to receive the food, you're going to go hungry. I can offer you a plate of free food 
right now. But if everybody shows up and I run out of food before you hit my door, you're going to go hungry. So just because I offer you something doesn't mean you have something. In order to receive something, you must either receive or reject, okay? So grace is given. It is not given to all men, but it's offered to all men, okay? So let's look at the definition of grace, okay? In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, grace is a noun. And the first definition says simple elegance or refinement of movement, okay? I like that. But they're talking about how someone moves in grace. They're elegant. They're refined in their movement. They're calculated, okay? And the second definition of grace was a Christian definition. It said the free unmerited favor of Yahweh, okay? Free favor of Yahweh as manifested in salvation of sinners and bestowed of blessings. So what is number two saying? It's saying it's a free gift of favor that's offered to us by Elohim and it's manifested in salvation for all sinners and it rains blessings on us. So we all are absolutely offered the grace, okay? The Hebrew definition of grace says it's favor, okay? So in Hebrew, when you see grace, it means favor. The Greek definition of grace meant thanks and kindness. Okay, so in Hebrew it means favor, and in Greek it means thanks and kindness. So anytime we're reading in the Bible about grace, we need to use those three contexts to make sure that we're using that the grace in the right context because it could mean favor, it could be mean thanksgiving, and it could mean kindness. And I'm going to pull up a few scriptures for you right now. We're going to break down the difference, and you're going to see for yourself the difference of how grace is used in the Bible. Okay, so everyone grab your sword right now. We're going to make our way over to Titus 2, okay? We're going to read Titus 2, 11 through 14. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Periscope, you got one job to do. I see one red heart, and I see many of you watching. You got one job to do on Periscope. You can't even be distracted by my beauty right now. You just got to listen to my voice. Now, the the, the least you can do is so hard. I'm just saying Okay, Titus 2, 11 through 14, and we're going to start on verse 11, okay? It says, for the grace of Elohim has appeared that offers salvation to all people, okay? You just heard me two seconds ago say grace was offered to all people. Titus 2, verse 11, it backs up that statement. So it says that the grace of Elohim has appeared that it offers salvation to all people, okay? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, okay? Verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great Elohim and our Savior Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Let's break that down. So Titus 2.11 says that grace is offered, first of all, to all men, wicked and righteous. It's a free gift that is offered to all men. But in order to take the offer of grace, you must learn what it teaches. So grace would never say, hey, wicked man, I'm offering you this and I'm teaching you to continue to live lawlessly and, and, and unjust and, and disgustingly. 
It tells us, furthermore, grace is offered to all men, both righteous and wicked. But in order to receive the gift, you must learn, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly uh, passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled lives, and it teaches us to walk upright and live godly in this present age, okay? So, so in order for us to take and take advantage of the free gift of grace, we must live godly and not live in world's passions. We must be self-controlled and we must be upright. So it gives you the attributes of someone who takes advantage of the gift of grace, okay? So let's see what the Bible says about someone who, um, what it says about when he offers the wicked man grace, okay? So we learned in Titus that it's offered to all men. And we also learned the attributes of men who take advantage of grace, which is righteousness and upright living. But Isaiah 26.10, open up your swords, your Bibles, to Isaiah 26.10. Isaiah 26.10. Thank you, Blue Heart on Periscope. Isaiah 26.10 says, but when grace is shown to the wicked, so here it is. Is grace shown to the wicked? Absolutely. Isaiah 26.10 says that grace is shown to wicked men. Okay? It says, but when grace is shown to the wicked, when it's offered to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of Yahweh. Wow. So let's go back to Titus 2.11. It said once again that what? Grace was offered to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodly and worldly passions. It's a living self-control, right? So it tells us the attributes of when grace is offered to a righteous man, they'll say no to ungodliness. They'll say no to worldly passions. They'll live self-controlled and upright and live godly lives. But when grace is offered to a wicked person, they do not learn righteousness. And even though they live in a land of righteous people, righteous things, uprightness, they still go on doing what is evil and do not regard the majesty of the Father. Okay, so it's teaching us right there between Titus 2.11 through 14 and Isaiah 26.10, that's teaching us right there that grace is a choice. Ah, grace is offered to all men, wicked and good, but it is a choice to receive grace. And in order to receive grace depends on the lifestyle. There it is. In order to receive the grace, it depends on the lifestyle that you want to live. It's offered to the wicked man. It's offered to the righteous man. But when it's offered to the wicked man, he keeps going on doing what is not right. But when it's offered and received by the righteous man, he learns the difference between clean and unclean, and he goes on and lives a self-controlled, godly, upright life, okay? So everyone's saying, we got the grace. The devil is a flat-out liar, and there's absolutely no truth in him. The grace is offered to all men, but men have to choose grace by choosing the lifestyle that they want to live, okay? Let's go to Romans 5.21, and I can furthermore prove my point or claim that grace is a way of righteousness, okay? Romans 5.21 says, so that just as sin reigned in death, 
so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ. Check that out for a second. Let's look at the second part. It says, so also grace may reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ, okay? So in order to have eternal life through Christ, you must live a righteous life. Are you getting that? Grace is only offered through righteousness, and eternal life is offered through righteousness. So the key word there, righteousness, is where grace is. And through righteousness is where Christ will always be. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He only reigns and abides in and under and through and with righteous men. He says he turns his face from the wicked man, but he shows love and kindness to the remnant, okay? So once again, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ. So in order to get eternal life, you got to be righteous. And in order to choose grace, you must choose righteousness. So grace, righteousness, and salvation and eternal life go together. When you choose to have the grace of Elohim, you are choosing to live a righteous life. When you choose to have grace, you choose to live a righteous life. But when you choose to live lawlessness, when you choose to live a sinner's life, when you choose to live disobedient, you are rejecting the grace that is offered to you. So grace is a choice. You either accept it or reject it. Many of us are living sinner lives, and we say we have grace for the things that we do. Grace only comes in once you have made a commitment to live a righteous life, okay? He said, I offered it to them, but they didn't receive it. Christ said the same thing when he came back in Matthew. I came, but my time didn't receive me. So when Christ came back in the New Testament for the Hebrew Israelites, he still offered grace right then and there for us to return back to the law and get this thing right, but we didn't show up to the table. So he wrapped it in Jew and Gentile then. He got somebody who wanted to serve him. Is it making sense to you with the way this grace works? You have to choose it, okay? Let's go to another um, another verse, Esther. Oh, my goodness, I love the book of Esther, you guys. Esther 2, 16 through 17. We're going to show you right now in Esther, we're going to break down your whole theology of you guys attacking these beautiful women. The Bible says that beauty is vain, but a woman who praises the Lord shall be exalted. It says that beauty is vain, but a woman who praises the Lord is worthy. It didn't say that a woman that was beautiful and praised the Lord was evil and vain. And many of you guys like to tear these women down. Come on, I got the rest for my women one time. Many of you like to tear these women down because they take extra time on their hair, put a little makeup on, you know, put a little color in their hair. Listen, Esther went through 12 months of beauty treatments, of oils, perfume, and, and getting herself together. It is biblical for a woman to have herself together. So you guys are going to stop beating down these women for looking and smelling and acting the part, okay? Esther 2, 16 through 17. We're going to start on verse 17. So actually Esther 2, 17 says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, of the other women and she won his favor and approval more than any other 
virgin, okay? So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen. Now, listen, we just learned in Hebrew that the word grace means favor. Remember? The Hebrew definition of grace means favor, and the Greek definition means thanks and kindness. So we see here that Esther had the Father's grace. Come on now. She had favor because she was beautiful. So we see now that beauty is God's grace. It's a graceful thing when he gives you natural beauty. Are you catching this? It is favor. When the Father designs you to be beautiful to men, it's favor to have a beautiful face that people favor the way you look. Come on now. We got to break these scriptures down. It's favorable to be beautiful, and it's a gift from the Father. So we can't keep bashing beautiful people now, okay? So I, I want you to see how, how that was used in the context of favor. So in Esther, when we spoke about grace, we were speaking about favor. She won favor because of her beauty, okay? So we're going to go over to Second Corinthians 12, 8, and 9. As Donald Trump would say, as 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9 say, I couldn't believe he called it 2 Corinthians, y'all, but it's all right. 2 Corinthians, <laughs> Second Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9, y'all. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12, 8, 9 says, Three times I pleaded with Yahweh to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For it, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, come on, all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, we all know that. I'm going to boast in my weakness because in my weakness, he's strong, right? So let, let me tell you, he's letting you know right there that even in a righteous life, even in a godly life, you're going to have problems. And you're going to have things that you go through where you're going to be pleading with the Father to rock with you, to take this this away, to take this pain away, to take this energy away, to uplift you, to exalt you in this hour. But he's letting you know that in your suffering, in your suffering, in your righteous, oh, my goodness, I'm getting the Holy Ghost, in your righteous persecution, grace is activated. Are you getting it? In your righteous persecution, that's when my power is activated. When they're doing you wrong, when I know that you're doing right, when I know that you're trying, when I know that you're about to give up, I'm going to come on over here and show you some grace because you're being persecuted for my name's sake. But let me give you a flip side because that verse has a twofold. Let's talk about somebody who's on crack. Let's talk about somebody who is on crack, whose heart desires to get off crack, but they don't understand the power in prayer. They don't understand. They don't understand that they have power to move mountains. They don't understand. They are stuck. They are suffering. In their heart, they desire to do right. In their heart, they desire to kick this habit, but they're struggling. They're struggling. And in their mind, they're pleading with the Father. They're pleading with him to help. Even when they hit that crack, he's turning around telling them, 
that my grace is still sufficient for you. Even when you mess up, I know your heart. Even when you're pleading with me in your soul, but your natural man, your flesh man, your flesh takes over your spirit. For I know the things of the heart and I know the spirit. So even though the flesh fell, oh my, even though the flesh fell, my spirit, your spirit is what I'm listening to. Even though you fail time and time again, your spirit is what I hear. And in your heart, you desire to do right. So in your weakness, I'm going to show you my strength. And I'm going to pull you out of this thing. Even though you fail, even though you fail, I'm going to pull you out of this thing because in your heart, I see you and I hear you and I understand that you need some help. Oh, my. So that is what we're talking about when we're talking about grace. But actually in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9, that was kindness that the Father showed you. It wasn't really favor, but it was kindness. Even though you fail, I'm going to show you kindness anyway and disregard this. And if you repent, I will no longer remember your sins. That's great, meaning he's showing us kindness, okay? So we just saw the difference between favor. We saw that Esther had favor, which was a form of grace. And we see in Second Corinthians that Paul and even us, when we fall, we are shown kindness, which is a form of grace, okay? And we're going to open up to Hebrews 4, 16, and we're going to see how grace is used as thanks or thanksgiving. So anytime you read grace in the Bible, you need to be paying attention to what does it mean? Does it mean favor? Does it mean thanks? Or does it mean kindness, okay? Once again, Esther showed you that favor was grace. And 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 showed you that favor was kindness. Right now in Hebrews 4, 16, we're going to show you that it's Thanksgiving as well. Okay? says Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us then approach Yahweh's throne of grace with confidence so that we, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What is he saying there? Let us approach the throne of grace. So we're asking for favor and we're asking for kindness. But when we approach the Father in prayer, one of the first things that we should do is approach him with thanksgiving. Come on now. How many times have you gone to prayer in the middle of something going wrong and you never stopped for a second to say thank you for the things that you already have, but instead you went straight into prayer to complain about the situation and ask for more? Come on, think about it. Let's let's play with the idea that your car is breaking down right now and you're so frustrated, right? So you go to prayer, which is the absolute right thing to do, go to prayer. So you went to prayer and you're like, Father, I just really need a new car right now. This car is breaking down. Can you just bless me with a new car? Right? You went and you asked for what you wanted, but you didn't tell him thank you for the car that you have. Because, yeah, your car may be acting funny, but you still ain't on the bus yet. Come on now. Your car may be acting funny, but you still ain't walking yet. Your car may be acting funny, but you still got one. So we're supposed to come to him with thanksgiving, Father. You know what? 
I know my car didn't start this morning, but you know what? It started this afternoon, and I just want to say thank you because I didn't have to catch a taxi twice today. I just want to say thank you because even though it doesn't work all the time, it works sometimes for me. And I just want to say thank you for even giving me a car because I could be on the bus right now, Father. So it may not be the best that I want to have, but it's what you gave me right now. So I'm going to say thank you for the things that you've already given me. And if it's in your will to give me something better than what I have, I'm going to ask you for it. Speak these things that I do not have as if they are already so and praise you in advance for the things that you said you would not withhold from me. Come on. You gotta let him know that you are thankful for the things that you have right now before you go on a whole tangent and a whole rant about what you want. Many of you, I wanna lose weight, I wanna lose weight, you pray about losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. But guess what? Yeah, you may be a couple pounds overweight, but you ain't got diabetes, you ain't got high blood pressure, you ain't in and out the hospital, you ain't sick. So though your body may have some extra pounds on it, you still need to be thanking him for still having a healthy body. Father, I thank you for creating me the way that you did. And I know that two sparrows are sold for a penny, but not one of them falls out of the will of you. So I know that this weight is on me right now, that it was intentional, and you allowed it. But I want to say thank you, even though I got some weight on me right now, I'm not sick. I'm not in the hospital. My blood pressure is all right. My my blood sugar is all right. I can still walk. I can still run. I can still get around and do the things that I need to do. So I say thank you for my health. I say thank you for my body right now. But as I'm saying thank you, Father, I'm going to ask that you help me into losing some more weight because I want to be more healthy and I want to be more sound with you. And I need you to take this journey with me. Can you help me, Father, lose this weight? Thank him for what you have. Because, yeah, you overweight, but you can be overweight and sick. I know a lot of people got weight on them and they're sick. But some of you ain't sick at all. And you complaining about the things you have. Some of you want to complain about your children. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Some of you want to complain about the behavioral issues of your children. Well, you could be a woman like me who's 31 years old and her first baby, her only baby is dead. See, some of you don't even want to treat your kids right. Some of you don't want to take the time to say thank you for your kids. But instead, you're always mad at your kids, always talking crap in prayer about your kids, always talking about your kids to everybody else, and you don't even realize the grace and the mercy right there in the favor that you have to even have a living child. Do you know you're favorable when you have children? We talk about women right now that have a lot of kids, but in the Bible, in biblical days, when a man had a lot of children, it's because he was wealthy, he was favorable. The father gave children to people that he favored and he loved. It was a favor. Thing. It was an act of kindness. It was an act of grace and mercy and wealth to have a lot of children who love you. So the next time you want to make fun of that girl that got them seven kids or them five kids, you better make sure you, you're not talking about somebody anointed because it's, it's favorable to be able to produce a baby. It's favorable to have love in your house when you walk in and your children embrace you with love. That's that's favor. Okay, so you got to start looking at this thing totally different because you could be me crying every other night because your baby dead. 
I'm just being real with you. Or you can go in the room and spend time with the baby that you have and train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they shall not depart from it. Okay? you got to start to learn to look at your situation a whole lot different because when you have grace, you have favor, you need to be showing thanksgiving, and you need to be acting in kindness and be able to receive kindness. Okay? So I'm going to close it on up, and I'm going to give the floor to Nisha right now. But just a quick little recap. We've learned that grace is yet offered to all men, sinner and saint, grace is offered. But in order to get the free gift of grace, we must do it with a lifestyle change. In order to take advantage of the free gift, you must abide in the spirit and live a righteous life. And we know that anybody who is still living a life of sin, still living a life of filth, and still living a life of lawlessness is someone who has rejected the grace because the grace comes with righteousness and righteousness comes with salvation. Amen? Okay. So I'm going to let Nisha take over the second portion of the Bible study, and she's going to talk to you about mercy. Okay? All righty. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to talk about uh, Elohim's mercy since she just talked about the grace. So Basically, we're going to break down what mercy is. So mercy is Elohim not giving us what we deserve. And an example is King David. He seeked mercy from the Father in Psalms 51. We're going to go to Psalms 51. Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. Okay. So Psalm 51, verses 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, Blot out the stain of my sins. Verse 2 says, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Okay, so right here, the storyline is David had cheated. Um, He had had an affair with another man's wife named Bathsheba. And he had an affair with her, which he committed adultery. So right here... Um, the, he was asking the father to have mercy on him because of his unfailing love and because of his great compassion. And he was asking him to blot out the stain of his sins and wash him clean from his guilt and purify him from his sin. Okay? That's Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. So he asked for Elohim to relent and not pour out the full wrath that he deserved. So that's what mercy is. It's Elohim not giving us what we deserve. So he asked the father not to bring upon him the full consequences of his sin. So another thing that goes with mercy is you have to um, be in truth. Mercy and truth goes together. You know, basically, you have to acknowledge that you are wrong for you to receive mercy, right? Mercy and truth goes together. So mercy and grace is found through Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross. We see this. So He has provided a way of escape or mercy from the consequences of sin through Christ and the sacrifice on the cross. So to sum that up, we would go to John chapter 3, verse 16. 
which most of you should probably already know this scripture because everybody quotes it all the time. This is this is the gospel, John three sixteen. John three sixteen. Says, sorry. It says, um, for Elohim loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay? So this was an example of his mercy through his son Christ, the one and only perfect sacrifice. So in Habakkuk, about to speak in tongues, Habakkuk, you sound like you're about to go straight into tongues when you say that. Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 2. The prophet is asking Elohim in his wrath to remember mercy. So despite Elohim's judgment, he asked for him to hold back and not pour out the full wrath that they truly deserved. So the definition of mercy is deliverance from judgment, basically. So because of our grace and mercy, our response to Elohim should be us falling on our knees in worship and thanksgiving. This is why we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with thanksgiving because we're so we're, we're, we're so thankful for the mercy and the grace that he has shown upon us that we clearly do not deserve. So when we go to his presence, we should be telling him thank you for the things that we are thankful for, whether, whether whatever state we're in, we should still be thankful, okay, because it can always be worse. So Hebrews 4.16, which is what Andrea touched on, Hebrews 4.16 talks about us, talks about his grace and his mercy and how we should enter his, his grace of throne, his, his throne boldly now, through grace and mercy. So mercy in Greek and in Hebrew means to have pity, it, it means compassion, it means love and kindness. So many confuse the wrath of Elohim and the judgment of Elohim. His wrath is his anger or punishment, but the judgment of Elohim is his assessment and evaluation. So when Elohim judges a thing, he weighs it, and if it's off balance, there are actions that can be taken to restore the balance. Because the Bible says that a false balance is an abomination in Proverbs 11.1. Proverbs 11.1 1 says that a false balance is an abomination to Yahweh. So to show mercy is to have the heart of Elohim because it's his compassion, his love, and his kindness. So we know what mercy is, and it is such a delight to be around people who are merciful and kind and compassionate. We often need that sympathy and that encouragement. But let me tell you, even the best of us in that area often do not show that kind of care. We don't show mercy to people. So there is one who is in heaven, who is on the throne, who rules all the affairs of men and sees everything that we do. He is not sometimes merciful and sometimes judgmental. Our Heavenly Father is always merciful, and the Bible even calls his throne the throne of grace, where we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, Hebrews 4.16. So isn't it wonderful to know that he is the God that we come to? He is merciful. So this is a truth that we must know coming to his throne when we come to him in prayer. He is merciful. He knows what we are like, and he knows we are not worth much, but he invites us to come to him, and he wants to do these wonderful things for us 
and how wonderful is the mercy of our Father. So mercy is not only his personality, but it involves his provision. It is mercy that makes all his benefits possible according to Psalms 103, verse 2. So let's go to Psalms 103, verse 2. Psalms 103, verse 2, and it says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. Okay, so Psalms 103 verse 2 says, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Okay, so we could see how this, how this is uh, flowing here. If we look at verse 3, it says he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He said forget not all his benefits, right? So we look at verse 3, who forgives, who heals. Verse 4. Who redeems, who crowns. He redeems, hallelujah. Verse 5, who satisfies. Drop down to verse 5. He says, it says, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. So he satisfies. Okay, so this is telling us the benefits about our father. It is Elohim who is merciful, who provides healing, forgiveness, redemption, crowns us, and satisfies us. Elohim does it all because he is a merciful God. Okay? So if we go down to Psalms 103, verse 8. Psalms 103, verse 8. It says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. So it says that. He is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger, and that, that is the word patient. So when we read patient, sometimes it's translated to long-suffering, depending upon whatever translation you're reading. But it means taking a long time to boil, slow to anger. Are we glad that Elohim does not fly off the handle? Has anybody ever grown up in a home where maybe one or more of the parents had a temper? I know I did. And when you did something wrong as a kid, all of a sudden, boom, it's a national wipeout in the house, right? So now there's a time to be angry, and there's a righteous anger, and we need to be angry at what is wrong, but sometimes that goes over to people. So sometimes parents can be angry with their kids because they are not living up to their expectations, but that is not the character of Elohim. Elohim is never angry at people. He is long-suffering. He is angry at what they do. There's a difference. He is not angry at the person, but he's angry at what they do. There is a difference. We ought to be angry at sin, but we should, not, but we should always be loving towards people. Okay? We should always be loving towards people, but angry at the sin. Angry at the things that they do, but not at the person. So no matter how sinful they are, it's a struggle that we all face. We all can agree because ain't nobody on this line perfect, not one. That's, the Bible clearly says that. 
There's not one that is perfect. So the mercy of Elohim involves patience. Look at verse 8 again. It says, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. So there's more than enough to go around. And there's more than enough that we need. And it says in verse 9, explaining that, that he will not always strive with us. This is a true statement. So, for, for instance, the long-suffering patience of Elohim in the days of Noah, the Bible refers to it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, and, it, and, and calls it patience. In the days of Noah, recorded in Genesis 6, 3, Elohim speaks to that corrupt, violent society. There were millions on the planet whom he was going to soon destroy with the flood. And Elohim said, my spirit will not always strive with men, and his days will be 120 years. And this is still a, a promise for today. Nobody on this planet is going beyond 120. And y'all can go look that up. <laughs> Nobody is going past 120. You're blessed to be able to make it to 120. So it, it, he says in his days will be 120 years. So Elohim gave them, however, 120 years. This is what we call mercy. So we see his spirit will not always strive. Verse 9 says, so we would understand the patience from Elohim is that he will not always strive with us. He will not continue to give us all these opportunities. Nor will he keep his anger forever. Elohim one day will reveal it. There is going to be a payday someday to the righteous and, and, and to the wicked. There's going to be a payday. There is a judgment to be faced unless we turn to the mercy of Elohim. Right? Are we getting this? So when we read this Bible, we see a lot of patience with the Father. That's, that's his nature. That's his character. Patience. He is slow to take action. He is abounding in mercy. He gives us a long rope. So this is, this, is, this is him showing us his mercy in, in, in tons and tons and tons of scriptures, there's so many scriptures that talks about the Father showing us mercy. And even in our personal lives, a lot of us can have a lot of testimonies about his mercy that he showed us. Okay? So when we understand the mercy of Elohim, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to know that Elohim is patient with us and he is merciful. By the way, um, it involves his punishment as well. So Psalms 103.10, when Elohim does punish us for our sins, you must understand that it is done in mercy. If Elohim will punish us according to what we really deserve, we will be in big trouble. So the Bible says in verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. We, that is something to be praise, praiseworthy about. That's something we should be giving praise to the Father about. So Elohim knows exactly everything that we have ever done, said, or thought. And even when we think nobody knows, even when we have lied and shined in front of somebody and, and put on a big act, the Bible says in Hebrews 14, we come to his, his, his throne boldly with grace and mercy, that all things are naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. By the way, the truth of the Bible is that we do not even know ourselves. So we may think we are hiding, but what are we hiding from? We don't even know what we are hiding from. We don't even know who we really are. In Jeremiah 17, 9-10, it talks about the heart. It says it's deceitful, deceitful above all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? It is I, the Lord, that searches the reins of the heart. So Elohim knows us in a way that we do not even know ourselves. Come on. 
What God do you know that knows you greater than you know yourself? And all things about us are naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. Now, that's interesting because the idea of being naked and open is referring to a sacrificial animal. Come on. When the priest holds the animal and exposes the neck, getting ready to slice the neck and kill the animal, all of us are like the animal with an exposed neck, ready to be judged before Elohim. Aren't we glad for the mercy of Elohim, that Elohim will not punish us? The Bible says in direct proportion to what we deserve. It is not according to our sins. It is not according to our iniquities. And Elohim is gracious and he is loving. It is the, it, it is it is Yahweh's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Come on. Psalms 106. Psalms 106. Verse 44. Says he gave his people the land of pagan nations. When you examine the mercy of Elohim, it involves his, his person of who he is. It involves his wonderful provision, all of his benefits. It involves his patience. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. It involves his punishment, and the fact is that he does not punish us according to our iniquities. Nevertheless, he regards our afflictions when he, heard, when he hears our cry. How many of us go to, go to his throne and we cry? He regards our afflictions when he hears our cries. And for our sake, he remembers his covenant according to the multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied, that's mercy again, by all those who carried them away captive. Many of them in captivity. We're talking about the history of Israel now. Israel is carried away captive and they deserve what they got. It was not even as, as severe as they thought. At least they were alive. Many of them in captivity were crying and weeping and lamenting over what had happened. But in fact, they were at least alive. Life continued. But Elohim heard their cry, the Bible says. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant. The reason Elohim relented and did not let it go, why he changed and restored them back, is because of his tender mercies. Come on. A lot of times we mess up our lives. You know that and I know that. We get involved in something we should not be doing and we just keep going on. And it gets worse. It may be difficult to sin the first time, but it gets easier the second time. And it is easier the third time. And before we know it, we are slaves to that thing. We are in bondage to some trap, some habit, some desire, or something. We are in bondage and we need to be set free. But let me tell you about his mercy that moves in a time like that. When we deserve to suffer the consequences of our actions, the Father relents because he is merciful. He is a merciful God and actually will save us and restore us. And I say hallelujah, hallelujah for that. Aren't you glad about it? That is who our God is. But it does not involve his punishment. According to the Bible, his mercy in the midst of that punishment is one of the reasons that there is hope, even when we are being judged for what we have done. That is tremendous. That is mercy. That is the mercy of Elohim. That is his mercy, and we ought to be glad about it. For my goodness, Psalms 103, verse 11. Go back. Let's go back to Psalms 103, verse 11. It says, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. My goodness. For as 
the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's verse 12. Boy, I tell you. Praise the Father. Our sins are gone. They are gone. Now, there are always folks around who will remind you of them. But according to the Bible, my sins are gone. The other day, I had a family member tell me how I used to be and the things that I used to do. Right? Don't you got people who are always trying to tell you about who you used to be, what you used to do, how you used to act, how you used to talk. They're always bringing up the old things that have passed away. That's what the Bible says. All things have passed away, but they always got to bring it up. They always got to bring up the old things. But our father, he is not like that. Our father tosses it into the sea of forgetfulness. He tosses our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. But you got us out here who is holding on things that people have did to us, and we're forgetting that they're doing these things because they're living a sinful lifestyle. They are a slave to that sin. They are a slave to that thing. And we're not understanding that this thing is spiritual. We're not understanding, so it causes us to not have the heart of the Father. We lack mercy in the church today. We lack mercy. We lack the heart of Elohim. This should, this should not be so. So in this life, we are going to experience scars as a result of our decisions to walk away from Yahweh. We know this. There are some of us who are physically still suffering from the result of decisions that we made maybe as young people. When Elohim says that he has removed it, he has removed it from a positional standpoint. Though the scars remain for now. But the hope of the gospel is that when Yeshua comes again, we are going to get a brand new body and we are talking total removal. There will be no more evidence whatsoever. The holes will be gone and we will be made brand new outwardly as we are made brand new inwardly when we come to Christ. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He didn't say some. Come on. That's in 1 John 1, 9. He did not say some. He said if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not some. I do not know why it is, but it is almost seems like a devil's trap to get us to remove the word all. It's like it's a trap from the enemy to make us miss that word all. And, and, and we find ourselves meditating on old things that have passed away. This is why some of us is still bound walking in the old man, and they, we have not received the benefits of the new man. But that let that old man die already, as Prophetess Andrea always says. Let that old man die. Let them always die already. Stop thinking about your past and meditating on who you used to be and how you used to do. You are a new creature made in Christ. And the new you, the inner you, is being made perfect. Okay? So to think somehow when we bring our sin to a merciful God that there is something that remains and therefore I have to atone for it, according to the Bible, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins, our iniquities from us. That is why we like to say to people, hey, you can have a clean slate started right now. If you want to talk about forgiveness, what is it rooted in? Is it in the fact that you are such worthy of possession? No. Or that you have such great potential for Yahweh? This is some of the preaching of the pulpits of America, but that is not rooted in the gospel. 
Forgiveness is rooted in the character of Elohim, and that is why we are saved. Elohim is merciful to us, and no matter how gross you are or how you have messed up or blown your brain and life away, let me tell you something. Elohim's character is limitless, and no matter how much sin is in your life, where sin abounds, the Bible says that grace did much more abound, Romans 5.20. You could be cleaned up in a moment of time, and that is the gospel. And I thank Elohim for his mercy because it involves complete a pardon of our sins. That is the only method of cleansing that Elohim ever had is through his son, Christ, and the mercy and the compassion and grace of our Lord and our Savior. That is why it is such a frustrating thing. You want people to walk with the Lord. You want them to do right. Parents feel that, parents feel that way toward their kids. We feel about it ourselves, and so we try everything under the sun to somehow clean up what we have done. There is no other method that Elohim has. You say, well, doesn't it say now you are clean through the word which I have spoken? Exactly right. And it is the word that reminds us how sin is cared for. It is rooted in the character of Elohim, not in the performance of men. And this is what religious people do. This is what religious people speak. They think it's off performance. But if it was off performance, you would be able to boast in yourself, and you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't have nothing to boast about with the Father if it was off performance. So if we go to Psalms 86, 5, it says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. A lot of people think that Elohim is hesitant. You have to knock down the doors of heaven as it, as it were to really get his attention. That's, this is what they make it seem like. And no, you do not. You, they talk about the prodigal son story. When the prodigal son starts coming back home, the father has been waiting for him. When he saw his son a long way off before he ever got to the house to beg his father's forgiveness. What does the Bible say the father did? He ran after him. Elohim is ready to forgive. You take one step toward our wonderful Lord, you just move a little inch in your heart, and our Lord is ready to forgive. Why? It is because he is merciful. He is compassionate. The Bible says in Psalms 86, 5, that he is abundant in mercy to all those who call upon him. Do you know where the problem lies? We do not call upon the Lord. We are using everything else instead. We are talking to our friends and using every kind of method we possibly can to somehow get our act together. And the Bible says that the Lord is good, ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy to everyone who would call on him. Isn't that sweet? That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff right there. So once again, it speaks of pardon, cleansing, and being redeemed from all his iniquities. Why? It is because with the Lord there is what? Mercy. His mercy is great. Okay? So that is the study of what mercy is. That is the study of what mercy is. All judgment is not bad. Hallelujah. 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 Girl, I'm going to sue my phone a few times. You're coming with that word. Okay, I'm <laughs> so excited for you guys. And as she was talking, the Father started to minister to me, and he told me to let you know. She said, she said how the how the how the father comes and runs out to the prodigal son. He said, "Do I not leave the ninety nine sheep to go and find the one who strayed?" Come on. He says, "I leave the flock to find the one." For it is better for me to find the one than to rejoice in the 99 who stay behind. My goodness. Hallelujah. My goodness. 
My goodness. My goodness. Okay, let me unmute for a moment. If you have any questions, one second. Unmute. Okay, did you guys have any questions on Periscope? You can type your question on the screen. Hallelujah. Did you guys have any questions? Glory. So many people on the line, though. Nobody got a question. Oh, wow. Okay. Simone, a question. Oh, Anything? If not, then I will just go ahead and pray us out. Okay. Give me one second. Okay. So I'm going to pray over unforgiveness right now because we got to forgive ourselves, number one. And we need to forgive our neighbors in order for us to receive the grace and live righteously. We can't harbor anything in our hearts that's not of the Father. And just as the Father gives us mercy, we need to start to extend mercy on our brethren. Nisha was so correct in saying that we preach the gospel, we preach the gospel, and we all about correcting and, and, and rebuking and doing this and doing that. But when's the last time you showed some mercy? When is the last time you showed mercy instead of always being so quick to call it out, being so quick to humiliate, embarrass, and then the time somebody make one mistake or two mistakes, all of a sudden they ain't Christian no more, all of a sudden they ain't anointed no more? You know how many times I done heard y'all on the Internet say, oh, yeah, she used to be anointed or he used to be with God, but he ain't no more. You are not the author of that. You cannot say who's lost their anointing or not. You are not the father, and you're going to have to start giving people the same mercy and grace that the father shows you. Just because somebody makes a detrimental mistake doesn't mean that the father is done with them. Last time I checked, Saul made a few mistakes before he lost his anointing. Okay, David even made mistakes, and he never lost his anointing. David committed adultery and got a man murdered on the front lines in war. He was a liar, a sex, a sex a thief an adulteress, and a murderer, and he was still a man after Elohim's own heart, okay? So we can't be so quick to say somebody lost all this and lost all that. We need to make sure that we didn't lose it all and stop worrying about what everybody else got going on in the supernatural and worrying about what we got going on. See, when you take your eyes off the Father and you put your eyes on your neighbor, you miss out on your growth. You miss out on your abundance. You miss out on your blessings. You miss out on the things that you ought to be doing. You don't ever see me really watch too, too anybody too closely for too long because I got so many things I got to work on. I don't have time to go and watch uh so-and-so ministry live every week. I don't have time to read every book they done wrote. I don't have time to sit over and worry about what they keep doing, what they church talking about, because I have things in me that I need to work on. I have sheep that are assigned to me that I need to focus on, and I do not have time to sit over here and dissect and micromanage people, okay? We do it all the time to one another. You guys will scam one another for a fault. You will scam one another for a flaw. But the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times. And the Bible speaks about forgiveness and how many times we are supposed to forgive one another. So when you come over there with that demonic surveillance and them little evil eyes, just waiting to point out a flaw, waiting to point out something negative in, in somebody. I want you to know that that is not mercy. That is not a spirit of the Father, okay? He tells us to test the spirit of man. He does not tell us to provoke the spirit of man. He does not tell us to tempt the spirit of man, but he tells us to test it. And we ought to be optimistic with our brothers and sisters because we, too, have fallen so many times doing this. We didn't have no business doing some of you are falling right now as I speak. 
nobody else. He who was out sent cast the first stone. Do not speak against your brothers or sisters. When you speak against your brethren, you speak against the Torah. But we only have one lawmaker over here. So, yes, it's our job to correct. It's our job to correct appropriately. And Scripture says when we have an out with our brethren, we're to pull them to the side. An open rebuke is better than a secret love. Well, you better make sure that you're in right rule and in good standing before you start open, openly rebuking anything or anyone because Elohim is a righteous judge. And when you start calling out sin, you better make sure that sin is not on your hands because when the judge comes to reign on everybody, he's going to reign on you too. You are not excluded from judgment. Okay? We got to make sure we're doing the right thing. Okay, so let me just pray us out with this unforgiveness. Now, this is a warfare prayer, so it's going to be some heavy stuff going on in here. I'm going to be calling out all type of demonic spirits. And if any of these spirits are in you, you will feel a manifestation happening in your house. So if you feel like you need to release, pass gas, yawn, burp, throw up, spit up, any of those things, do not hold it back. Receive your deliverance today. Receive your deliverance today. If any of you want to feel like you need to get this thing right, if you feel like you need to start over with the Father, you can start over with the Father, okay? I don't care about what you did. Paul was a murderer. He used to kill Christians for a living. If he can turn around and have Paul write 13 books of the New Testament, David, he can use you too. So let's not worry about anything about what we've been doing in the past, but let's abide in the Spirit and get ourselves together, pick up our cross right now, right here, right now, and do the things we need to do. But in order for us to do that, we're going to have to get this unforgiveness out the way because this unforgiveness is standing in the way of your breakthrough and your overflow. But I'm about to bind it up right now in the supernatural realm, okay? Heavenly Father, Most High One, Ben Adon of Israel, I bind up and arrest the spirit of unforgiveness in the mighty name of Yeshua Hamoshiach. I send every demonic force back to the abyss and close every satanic portal that has been opened due to my disobedience. I strike the tree of accusation and slander down by fire of the Ruha Kodesh and declare it be barren. I curse the soil that the tree stands on and declare that it shall never produce any fruit or seed of hatred or bitterness ever again. Just as the ground of Sodom and Gomorrah is a desolate land, so is the soil of this tree. I uproot all generational curses that led up to my unforgiveness and blow up and break down all walls of protection around this witchcraft. I strike it down and send it back to the pit of hell, never to return. I war in the atmosphere. I divide the strong man's spoils. I bruise the enemy's head and perform good works for Yahuwah, our Elohim, only the only true living Elohim. He is the beginning, the end, the potter, the author, and the finisher, the giver of life and death. I command every satanic spirit to yield to the power of the Ruha Kodesh, Holy Spirit in me, and I command that you expose yourself right now, and I command that you leave right now, for the blood of Christ is against you. I come against every past hurt, every pain, every heartache, every bitterness seed, every seed of anger, wrath, unfair treatment. I come against every person who has treated you poorly, who has treated me poorly, with fire of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, and I silence the voice of the enemy. I silence the voice of Hasatan, the accuser, who comes to set a blasphemous claim. I demand that the strong man release my belongings, and I take back every single thing that the enemy has stole from me. I come against this spirit right now, and I cast you down. I come against Leviathan on every person who rejects these truths. 
And I declare and decree that they be broken down by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the wrath of Yahweh fall upon you until you are broken down to size and repent of your sins. The wicked shall not prevail in this hour, but the remnant shall rise for all to see. I loose war angels, archangels, killing angels from the heavens above, and I declare and decree that they bloody the land with their swords and start to fight wickedness from all four corners of the earth. I pray that they strike it down right now. I pray for a spiritual war to break out in the atmosphere by the sound of my voice. I loose, loose, loose. Loose every single archangel that's assigned to your life right now. I give them the authority to move on your behalf right now. I give them the power and dominion to move on your behalf right now, to move on your situation right now, to move in your family right now, to move in your marriage right now, to move on your job right now, to move in your children right now, to move on your credit score right now, to move in your bank account right now. I command that they move right now by the power of the Ruha Kodesh. In the mighty name of Yeshua, Hamushiach, and I color us from the north, south, east, and the west end right now. I come against every single demonic spirit in the government right now, every plan, every trick, every politics thing, every political thing that is not Yahweh. I shut it down right now in the supernatural realm. I take over the airwaves in the stratosphere, in the hemisphere. I cut every cord of witchcraft. You gonna wake up right now. I command every sheep for the sheep. Know the shepherd's voice. It's time to wake up spirit. I command that you wake up spirit. I command that you wake up spirit. I command that you wake up spirit. You shall not be under witchcraft at that church. You shall not be under witchcraft at that job. You shall not be under witchcraft in that music. You shall not be under witchcraft from your family. I command you to wake up right now, spirit, and walk into your overflow. I command you to wake up and leave double-minded, lukewarm things behind you. I command you to wake up right now, spirit. Wake up right now, spirit. Wake up right now, spirit. And I command every single demonic force and sanction to move right now. I command you to leave right now. I open up the floodgates of heaven right now, and I ask that you you send Michael. I loose the archangel Michael right now to do a clean sweep in everybody's home right now, to cast out wickedness in all shapes, forms, and sizes right now. I command you to move right now, Michael. Use your sword right now, Michael. Defeat the enemy right now, Michael. Anything hiding in the back of our mind right now, I command you to uproot and leave. Anything hiding in the closet right now, I command you to yourself and leave right now. Any spirit hiding under the bed, in the corner, in the secret places, in the darkness, I command you to leave right now by power and force of the Holy Spirit. I command you to leave right now. Sickness and infirmity, I command you to leave. Spirit of selfishness, I command you to leave. Spirit of abortion, I command you to leave. You gonna keep your baby. I command you to leave. Spirit of murder, I command you to leave. Spirit of wrath, I command you to leave. Spirit of rage, I command you to leave. Spirit of gossip, I command you to leave. Spirit of de- depression, feeling tied down, anxiety, leave, 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 leave right now. Father, 
Hallelujah. I command you to leave and I declare and I decree a sound mind. A sound mind. A sound mind I declare and decree. A sound mind. Peace, joy, love, happiness, patience, self-control. I declare and decree that I shall have self-control. Hallelujah. Loose it in the name of Yeshua. I declare and decree that I shall have peace. I shall have a sound mind. I shall have self-control in this hour of my life. I declare and decree that I shall have a prayer life. I declare and decree that I shall have a study life. I declare and decree that I shall walk into overflow before 2017. I declare and decree that I bind up. I bind up and blow up the spirit of offense. I shall not be offended another day in my life, but I shall abide in the spirit all the days of my life. Hallelujah. For yours it is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory, God. Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Glory, God. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, prayer requests, praise reports, anything, all the above, go ahead and visit our website right now, which is haloharris.com, okay, haloharris.com. For those of you on Christmas Day who are not aware, I am going to be on the radio on the mix, M-I-X-X, the mix 102.com. I'm going to be taking over the radio airways from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And what you got tonight is what you're going to get. We're going to be doing live prayer requests and wherever the Spirit leads me, if it leads me to prophecy, if it leads me to where it's going to lead me, then that's what we're going to do live on the radio, okay? So I ask that you guys tune in to listen and also pray for me. Pray for the Spirit on me and that people from all over the world, because it is an international radio show, I pray that the people that are not aware of who I am we're not aware of who the Father is, that they get a piece of the Father when I come on the radio. So I'm Amen. asking you guys to pray for us. And um, we are going to be doing our uh, our all-women's um, conference in Baltimore, Maryland on May 27th. So I would ask that you guys purchase your tickets for that if you're in the area. If you're not in the area, you can also sponsor the event by simply sowing or donating a seed of your your choice of amount to our website so that we can purchase our plane tickets, our flight itinerary, and our hotel so that Misha and I can fly 3,000 miles out there. Okay? So we will talk to you guys soon. I'll see you on Periscope, Facebook, Instagram, wherever we're connected. And you can always contact either uh, one of us through um, halohairs.com. And we'll talk to you soon. We love you. And I hope that you guys have a great evening as well. Okay? All right, be blessed. All right, be All right, be blessed.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.